back where it all began inside Feister Forum tonight. Look at those highlights in the purple uniforms here in Milwaukee. I am joined now by Ray Allen. Ray, you've been back to Milwaukee multiple times, but more so as an opponent, not as a celebrated guest. So what has this visit been like for you? What's the other side like? Man, I, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, just coming in this building, coming back into Milwaukee, uh, it just brought me peace. So uh, just seeing, you know, everybody here in the purple jersey from uh, back in the day and a lot of old friends that I get a chance to connect with, it's been amazing. How much are you feeling the genuine love that this fan base had for you? Well, I just love, if you think about what we did in the 90s and how it's grown over the years with new ownership and what they brought into the city, like the city is is just it's just overwhelmed with such great stuff happening downtown and people are moving around and I just love to see it. You talked about what you all did in the 90s. They're honoring that with not just your bobblehead, but they've got these throwback jerseys this year. When you see that purple on, what memories come back for you? Well, the, the, the very first one I think about is light it up, light it up. Just thinking about like we had kids running through the city saying, Sam Cassell, light it up, light it up. Tim Thomas, light it up, light it up. And those, those were the days where, you know, we're trying to, you know, create something special here. We wanted to win here, and, you know, we had some semblance of winning here. So when the Bucks won a few years ago, it, it just it, it brought uh, joy to my heart because I knew how great of a fan base this was going all the way back to the 70s. And to be able to have a winner here, now you see the fruits of that labor. How do you think they did with your bobblehead here? I mean, Break down the thoughts. Well, look, I mean, I, I had the fresh fade back in the day, so I appreciate that. But, you know, that hair ain't growing no, no more, Zora. So, you know, you see I'm sporting all natural right now, but I just love it because, you know, my kids get to see this. And knowing that before them there was a history and them being able to walk around with me today, see this bobblehead, see the people that I've had the chance to, to, to spend time with this in, in, in my career here. They just go to show them, you know, hopefully they say to themselves, maybe I can do this one day and, you know, that's all, it's all well worth it. You mentioned this visit bringing you peace. How much did you need that after the way you ended your time in Milwaukee? Well, I mean, with the city, I never felt you know, any different. I've always loved this, this place. Uh, it grew me up. I always had, you know, my family was here after I left and then, you know, still got a lot of great friends here and I visited some of them today and some of them are here in the, in the building today. So I never had any uh, ill intention uh, at all. And, you know, when I say peace, it's just, there's a, it's a slower uh, lifestyle that I appreciate because I've always been a small town uh, guy and this helped me grow up. And this is what allowed me, it builds, Milwaukee builds character. And that's the thing I love about it. Anybody that knows from Wisconsin, I'd like to sit down and have a conversation with him. Pretty nice to see Walter Ray again. I think we can all agree on that. And this is not a playoff preview. The rumors of my demise have been exaggerated. Um... For reasons, I'm going to step away, uh, remain stepped away from Twitter for the foreseeable future. Now, will I not be able to control myself the first turnover that somebody does in the first playoff game? We'll, we'll see. Um, taking some time back, taking some, some me time for reasons. It's great to see Ray Allen 
can the big dog be far behind? So much of the objection as we march toward our second championship in three years should have been our third championship in five years or whatever it is. As we, it, So how can you possibly complain about the ownership? Um, It's stuff like this, man. Like, it's like I've never had step parents or anything like that. No shade. But the, we, the step parent nature of the ownership group that we got this this kind of there's been a lack of there's been inauthenticity if that's a word it hasn't been authentic like the entire time right and so there becomes this big question this this had to do with the owners it has to do with bootenholzer versus kid all this kind of stuff like who gets the credit for this and the answer is the person who really gets the credit for this is the other guy who wears number 34 and but we're interested in all these other stories and so there's obviously credit to be given and it's not about taking credit away from other people but like this this has been the the entirety of this thing has been this incredible Giannis story that even I probably don't talk enough about I'd rather criticize the stupid stuff that he does do but like this has been the Giannis show right and because like some people like name and those guys need access and and people like need to have good relationships with Dustin Gossie look like like other like Again, other podcasts that you would know, like if they say something sideways about the Bucks, the Bucks might DM the the quote unquote Bucks will DM them, right? Uh, which is why it's kind of nice to be over here on free radio, and and no one's gonna like silence me. But the problem is not the blue court. The problem is that blue never should have been part of the color scheme, and cream shouldn't have been there but cream could have been a nice four-year thing that got phased out and it'd be like remember we were kind of doing that cream thing for a while and then we should have went back to having crispy white or crispy silver because those are better colors guys those are better colors you see a whole lot of notre game gear in the streets like even old gold and gold not good colors (laughs) those are not good colors they they do not pop they do not like why do you want something that looks sort of dirty brown like look at the colors of every team i'm doing a color podcast seems like i'm doing a color podcast look at the colors of every team in football which one of them would be approved by dirty cream by like you had your super golden crisp and now the milk is kind of creamy cream should we should we not have the silver like the steelers be yellow should they be dirty cream should the packers be dirty cream instead of yellow should the the pittsburgh pirates be dirty cream like it's dumb right but the blue thing is worse. It, we, that could have just been like a four-year thing that we did, and they could have gotten away from that. The blue thing is worse because if we said on many, many platforms through the years, like blue is a primary color, and blue was already like always going to be a slippery slope for that reason. Because what are you doing with this great big other primary color? What are you doing with that? In a similar way that... The Bucks going back to red when everybody threw back around 2006. Of course, eventually you're going to get a great big red jersey. And I know some people like the great big red jersey. I'm not a fan of the great big red jersey that we got. But that that's what that was, right? Um, but back to Ray. Like, man. These are the players that we care about, right? <laughs> these are the players that we care about. Like, no shade, but like. 
Vim Baker and Darvin Ham, like we can care about a lot of different people, but like he said, those are the people we cared about. Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson, to a lesser extent, Tim Thomas, right? Like those are like the big ones. Sidney Moncrief, and certainly, yes, Marcus, and to a lesser extent, the Greyhound and these other kind of people that predate me. But like these are the people, like, and so. I feel like maybe Adam and them complained about it too, but I was the only one the back channel was like, why is this parade so awful? Why why is Brandon Jennings getting all the shine? Brandon Jennings forced his way out. And but but like the great dividing line in sports is why I really still respect what Dame is doing, even though Dame will be a buck next year, and I will not take the time right here to put my appearance on one and six directly after the title where I kind of predicted all of the stuff, including us having Drake uh, Jay Crowder at this point. But Either way, the thing is that Ray Allen is the most important player of that era. And I'm calling all the names of the people who are still doing this well. Oh, well, Chris Middleton with accumulated points over the 10 billion years that he's been here. Or any of these other guys, right? Ray Allen is the guy from 96 to 2002 or whenever it was, 2000, you know, that... Ray Allen owned that era. Ray Allen was a big star. Ray Allen was a Jordan brand athlete. Ray Allen held the line in the time period when nobody in Wisconsin sports had anything going except the Packers were ascending at that point, right? But, like, Ray Allen was in movies. Ray Allen was a really big deal for us, and he was, like, also, like, the only thing that we had in the Iverson era where we were, or the Kobe, bleeding into the Kobe era where we were like, well, we got a guy, too. At least we got one guy, and we got Ray Allen. Have you heard of him? He won the three-point contest. He never misses, and he'll dunk on your head, right? Um, and so I was so mad at Adam and Jordan when they did some version of whatever podcast, and they're like, well, Chris is a top-five buck, or Chris is on the, the Mount Rushmore. That's that's not how any of this works. Well, he won a title. Well, it, it, so did Derek Fisher. He's not like a better Laker than Elgin Baylor. That's not how we look at Like, there's levels to everything. There's levels to everything. As a side point to that, maybe at some point we'll talk about the All-NBA. The All-NBA, why, why would they screw that up? Like, All-NBA all is perfect as, as a snapshot of things because you can tell how in the year, positionally, um, despite all the hype, how good, like, if you, had to, if you had to make someone choose. If you had to make someone choose, guess what? Oh, it's interesting. Latrell Sprewell was like first team guard that year. Though that's really interesting. Because the point is that you have to choose. The point is like all these nerds, man, all these nerds through the year, like you're your one chance to get into the competitive spirit of sports is to actually have a take. And people are like, well, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to affect this guy's bonus. It, it, too bad. Too bad. This is sports. There are winners and losers. Pick. Like, it's really interesting looking at all of these lists with the idea that you have to pick one over the other. Okay, you like James Harden? How much do you like him? Like, pick. Like, DeMar DeRozan, I think, has got... These are all going to run together in my head. DeMar DeRozan, I think, has two second teams. And you're like, wow, that's that's impressive, but... The thing about All-NBA is there's very rarely any controversy. They typically always sort of get it right. So when you have these years where in the West it's like Nowitzki and Duncan and Weber 
and who else? Garnett, right? And it's like, well, they're all they're all great. They're all all timers. So what? Pick one. You got to pick two. Who are the two best? Who are the second two best? Like that. That's how it goes. Well, Stoudemire was in there in the mix too, right? A historical record, a record of what people like actually thought. So all those years where they had to pick between Wilt and Russell, and they picked Russell. That matters because that's actually somebody tell like for for all the talk about how the, the the discourse becomes toxic with social media. At least people generally, except for the like whack influencers, tell you what they think. Now, so there's two there's two arguments again. I guess I'm doing this right. There's two arguments. There's two things, and they and they're both bad for different reasons. First of all. There's no real way for us to fairly, like, I'm not a great big, who's would be a good idea? Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler, I'm not a great big Jimmy Butler fan. I always recognized kind of the flaws in his kind of burn the boats, burn the village kind of style. I do think if we had Jimmy Butler the last five years, we'd have at least the same one title. We'd probably have two or three, but I'm not the biggest fan of his act, right? Similarly, I'm not the biggest fan of Anthony Davis. Mr. Glass act. And it's always weird to me that he gets so many calls. By the way, by the way, by the way. Somebody pull up that stat of all the free throws that the Lakers got. Like the Lakers have 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 generation generationally got like more free throws than anyone in the history of of man and time and space to get them in the play on. Like there's there was one guy on Twitter who kept like putting that up. They had like 150 more free throws than everybody else or something like that. But moving on. Um Great players, hard to quantify, um, and it's also hard. So, so if if you had to pick, if if in a random year or in this year, you had to say, okay, so who's the fifteenth best player in this positionless all all NBA third team? Anthony Davis is generally a more impactful player. Not what all NBA is supposed to be, and you're going to end up. Um, forecasting what they think they are going to do in the postseason for all these things. And that's just not what basketball, that's just not what these teams are supposed to be. They're supposed to be a snapshot. Actually underrated. MVPs, in a sense, at this point, and I'm not advocating for getting rid of the MVPs either, MVPs in all sports. And, like, it's fine. And, and, And I'm... I don't want to take 10 minutes to say the thing that you already agree with, which is the narrative-based thing that everyone's saying. Like, why is it a narrative? Why is it that Joker shouldn't get three? Should he not get three just because you shouldn't get three? I actually tend to be on the side of people who say narrative-wise. We should, look, we should not give Joel Embiid an MVP because he doesn't deserve an MVP. He's been terrible for the game with his stupid flopping, like, disgusting. Like, I can't think of too many people... Like, I don't know that Tim Donaghy has hurt the game more than James Harden and Embiid. So that's just me. That's my bias, right? But it does kind of make sense to me. It's going back to the Oscars, right? It, it does make sense to me, the idea that there was this era with these three big guys. And four, if you count Davis, who was kind of in and out of that because of injuries. It doesn't make sense that Jokic gets all of that. It would make more sense to Giannis or Embiid to win it again, and that's just that's just is what it is. Like sometimes, you know, somebody gets you know best actor that you don't think, but forget that. That's the argument that you're familiar with. 
I'm really just kind of sick of people. The argument ender in every dumb sports conversation can't be he's an MVP. Aaron Rodgers has been actively gambling against the Packers. Fact check me on that. Has he? Yes, actively gambling against the Packers for the last five years. But he got an MVP. And once he got those MVPs, he'd be like, he's an MVP quarterback. It's everyone else's fault, right? It's the offensive line's fault. It's the skill position's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's everybody's fault for him because he got the MVP. That's a regular season award. Similarly, all of those years, many of the last five or six years, Russell uh, Wilson could have got an MVP. He was close. Or like the, Nobody would be like blown out of the water by a world in which Russell Wilson won an MVP award. A lot of those guys are close, but you don't talk about them like an MVP. You can't have any intelligent um, Lamar Jackson conversation because, of course, he won an MVP. Can you imagine like if Kaepernick got an MVP? He was certainly the MVP of dominating Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. But if the Kaepernick discourse, we can agree, would have went up 12 more notches if it was like he was an MVP quarterback. So like this one thing that somebody does one time in one regular season, usually by gaming this, you know, juking the stats. But I mean, whatever that takes a person. And that's that's actually the argument for MB that that puts you in a Teflon class. The only reason like when you watch the 75, uh, the 75 celebration, which is like all this great video. Well, why is James Harden there? Why is Westbrook there? They're the biggest losers in the world. They've been the biggest losers. Like, there is like a sliding uh, doors moment with Harden, because if you recall, Harden was compared to Ginobili to start, right? But Ginobili, he didn't win no MVPs. And he wasn't there at the 75 celebration, at least I don't think, right? But if you get an MVP, people start their list, they sort, and if you make a list, they sort all the MVPs in, and then they go from there. And... It's kind of becoming bad, which is like now the MVP just basically means like you're a made guy. We opened the books, you got made, now you're a made guy, now we're going to talk about you a completely different way. And really, you winning a regular season award with a good degree of subjectivity shouldn't be the only thing that we talk about. Like you can't just be like, well, Rogers got those last two MVPs, so I guess the last five years, I guess... I guess that's Devontae Adams' fault, or whose who's fault is it? can't be Rodgers. He was best, like, by definition, if you're the best player in the league, it can't be your fault. And that's the way people talk about it. So MVPs are whack. All NBAs for sorting mechanisms, because we all like players, we all have biases, right? So, like, if you think about Middleton or any guys on this level, like Reggie Miller, like, Reggie Miller is still doing, what are they, Wendy's commercials? Hardy's commercials or Wendy's? Maybe they're Wendy's commercials. Reggie Miller is a guy that was a great, great player who's very overrated. And so him doing great in a playoff series, many of which that he lost against the Knicks, I think he lost that one in the Garden in the Knicks, um, and making hay and having kind of one run to the finals and, and all of this stuff, like he stayed in the zeitgeist, right? MVP doesn't reflect that because, of course, he was never MVP. But then when you look at All-NBA, which is how people thought in the time, I think he made third twice or something like that. He's a five-time All-Star. I'm pretty close on that. And so, again, All-NBA is the thing that lets you know. Like, John Starks, it's just everything is levels, right? John Starks was a really, really impactful, heady player, like a really nice player, right? John Starks, really nice player. And then we found out, but not as good as Reggie Miller. And through the years, then we found out that Reggie Miller, really nice player, great player. 
not as good as Ray Allen. And Ray Allen, we loved him so much. Dope player, not as good as Kobe. And Kobe Bryant, ups and downs, really just did, did all these things, not as good as Michael Jordan. And that's what like levels are, levels are about. And if So that's one argument, right? That's probably the best argument. The second argument, I would say, is just this kind of... Like basketball, I don't care what anyone says, basketball is not positionless. Like, why are you nerds so in love with the idea of calling stuff positionless? It's not. And, it, like, what is, is, is Brooke Lopez a point guard? So he has a position. And, like, this big and little thing doesn't carry any water. I, I just don't understand the inclination to do away with something that is work to help people sort. Because either way, like, it, you can argue that, that, that there is a blurring of the lines between positions. But basketball ultimately is a game about playing your position playing your role so whatever your role is in the team your job is to play that role it's not to be an amoeba it's not to be positionless your job is to help your team that's what basketball is actually about like the goal of basketball is for five people on the court to maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses and take advantage of the other team's weaknesses and avoid the other team's strengths to win and statistics are going to come with that but the goal of basketball is not the statistics, right? Stats are not the goal of basketball. So this doing this thing about, well, Embiid is averaging 33 and Giannis is 31 or whatever. No, no, no. None of that is the point. The Bucks won the most games with the most people being hurt. That's the strongest argument for Giannis to be the MVP. But again, I don't care about MVP. I care about championships. Period. For us to have a face guy like uh, was a big deal in the 90s and he was so so he has an important and he, he ended up being a hall of fame level player right he was great with us he went on to be even greater with the sonics and to achieve incredible success with the celtics and the heat and it's burned in all of our craw that nationally people don't even think of him as a bucks guy and that's like eaton's and lazary's fault from the beginning from the beginning and they you know bring bring back other random bucks like you like you care and we just like you don't care like you care about ray allen ray allen was the grail of this and so it's really cool and i think somebody said well why, how, why didn't they take a, there's no pictures taken there's no understanding like this has been 10 years of this like being like it's well it's kind of weird that they're both um 34 it's kind of weird that they let chris wear michael red's 22 and ricky pierce 22 like it's all, all that stuff is weird it's not that big of a deal but the problem with ownership is that they don't understand and they listen to this guy dustin gotsy and gun to my head why is there a gun to my head it's a little violent um banana to my head like i kind of believe the court conspiracy why what's what's the deal with the court what what are they doing? They're they're Stockholm syndroming. That's probably not the correct term. They're they're doing something with this court. Like they're they're getting you used to the blue by having this blue court. You want to tell me that these billionaires can't get another court? It's the blue court. They want you to see the blue court, right? They took that green court and they put it in a wood chipper out in the woods with a bunch of dead bodies. Like it, no one's like. Something something's up, man. Something's up. I it, it 
there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences. And is this possible because they decided that they couldn't do the cream for whatever that article was, which I really bit my tongue on at the time. But I, I don't know why they're I don't know why they're so stupid. Like you see other teams have crisp, definable colors. And yes, everybody else has gone to all the, the city editions, all these other versions. But again, our purple throwbacks, the Bucks is way too small, but the purple throwbacks look great. Like, everybody would agree that they look great. Are we wearing those for the playoffs for some reason? No. Is there a rule for it? Maybe. I don't know. But that would look a lot better. But, like, it, it has been odd to me that the one thing all of you, all of you were silent. All of you were silent for eight years wearing the most garbage mismatched, like, black and a Harley patch and some cream in there and some green and a green outline on the black and all these colors that bleed into each other that don't look good from distance that don't like I was watching I kind of wanted the Mavs to get in for, for the chaos of the playing and for the chaos of the ongoing uh, Kyrie discourse and so the Bulls the, the Bulls beat them last night and there's still not a better jersey than the Bulls wrote that white outline on those black numbers and like the white outline like just draws it all together it's like perfect it's like perfect you know what a well put together like set looks like and but y'all accepted everything oh cream city with blue and all all these different versions like the stupid buckhead in the middle of stuff the the worst jersey in nba history that we won a title in so we're never going to get rid of that but some kind of way purple and green on a blue court was too much for you guys. And that's interesting. So I support whatever level of conspiracy theories you have on that. Cause I, I don't know why that doesn't even particularly bother me, but like go forth. If this is the thing to complain about, like I'm not really going to stop anybody from complaining uh, onto the books. I got what five more minutes. And I got to leave. <laughs> Let's start, Chris, uh, with that injury report. Uh, it's lengthy for the Bucks, and I know you also spoke to Chris Middleton today, with just a couple of days to go in this season. Yeah, so it's going to be a showcase for other Bucks players today. Obviously, you guys hit on it. The Bucks already clinched the number one seed, so they're going and trying to go into the postseason. You know, making sure that everybody is healthy. They, the most important thing I was talking with. Coach Bud is that they go into the playoffs with the rhythm and healthy. And this is part of the process. But I spoke with Chris Milton, who last game came out of the game with some knee soreness. And I talked to Milton before the game, and he said, look, it's all precautionary. He feels good. Hey, hey guys, listen, I, I hate to stop my injury report, but the, the, the lights just went out. The lights just went out. And this usually isn't good for TV when it comes to me. But I am just talk. <laughs> But you still look good. You look good. Look good. The, the, the light. Still look good. Oh, yeah, the light. The lighting is good for it's you, brother. Actually, highlight it. You're yeah, glowing. Yeah, you're glowing. All right. You can't see you, but you look good. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let me let me continue then. Chris Milton said he's feeling good. He wants to get back as soon as possible. He he expects to he expects to play the next game, but Coach Bud doesn't know, you know, what they're gonna do with the next game. But as far as playoffs are concerned. He's going to be out there. He said this is just a precautionary measure, and he understands that the competitor, the competitor in him wants to be there, but he understands. And he describes his Bucks teams as being hungry. Felt like they they, they left, a, uh, left a golden opportunity out there 
last year when they couldn't repeat. But they feel like they're hungry. They're ready to get it going. And he said it doesn't matter if there was number one seed or number two seed. They're going in there into the playoffs with tenacity. And he expects a fired up club. So real quick, at, at this point, it comes down to minutes. The way I've seen this, I am always super open to anyone who disagrees, who can show me something that with my agendas and all this kind of stuff I'm not seeing, I, I don't understand and I question your basketball intelligence if you think before the last little, like the last little knee thing has nothing to do with this. Like they're lying and saying it's precautionary. Dude, you, the last thing an NBA player wants to do is tweak his knee on the first play and zero out the stats for that game. That's the last thing. So like they've already been on the pump up his stats by not having him play back-to-back programs, which theoretically should have boosted his, th- his stats, as we saw that wasn't the case. Whatever the status of his knee, let's take a walk with me. Take a walk with me. Let's, let's go through this. Because I really, are people just this blind at this point as to how this, like, what is he, 31-year-old player? Because I don't even mean like blind to the negatives. People really need to be blind or must be blind as to the manners in which this guy can still help us. But the way he can help us is playing 24 minutes a game. And when he's really on, 32 minutes a game. So let's take a walk. I could go through last year also. Last year got memory hold. A lot of stuff gets memory hold, guys. Have you noticed that? All the Raptor series, all this stuff, it gets memory hold. I, I, you know, you know what all that is, right? You know what all that is, and lies getting laundered as fact. Matter of fact, as soon as you get off of this podcast, if you don't do it while you're driving, obviously, go to StatMuse.nba and put in Chris Middleton stats versus the Celtics, and perhaps you'll notice, like me, those are just his stats. Look at field goals, look at turnovers, sort of any kind of way you want. Take out the first couple years. Take out the, the the Pistons year, maybe the first year with the Bucks. Sort of any kind of way you want. And it wasn't like in that time period, oh, yeah, but, we, but yo, we were, we were beating the Celtics like 7 out of 10 games. We had the Celtics number. We did not have the Celtics number. And Chris Middleton did not have good stats against the Celtics. But just another lie. Lies, lies. Every day more lies. Lies, lies. Forget all that. And we could talk about who's the better player in the Olympics. We could talk any of these things. We could talk about who was clearly the clear all-star for the Bucks last year. Like, We could talk about how Middleton was the fourth best analytical player in 2019. I'm not really, like, guys, that's not really the point. As some of you who used to follow me on Twitter are well aware, like, this isn't a stat, right? This isn't, a, this isn't an analytic, or maybe it's an analytic online with, like, Per and fake analytics. Every time Chris Middleton has a, like a great game, people come out of the like, like Bucks After Dark kind of whack accounts come out come out of the dark to like dunk on me like like it's like I'm not happy he had a great game. So I'm actually more than anybody else acutely aware of when he has a good game. When do you think the last time that everyone came out of the woodwork to dunk on me? It wasn't this year. It was last year in that last Suns game where like Booker and Chris Paul didn't play, or maybe Booker and Aiton didn't play. Like half of their team didn't play. And Middleton had 44 or 46 or something. Like he shot a bunch of threes after it was over. But like that was the last great game. And you should always think about 
like the type of games that someone has a great game. We don't really get the wow, Chris. Wow, we were you know the Celtics had us dead to rights, but Chris Middleton wouldn't let us lose that game. Man, can you believe we beat the Nuggets? Well, that's what that's what cash money does. Again, am I getting distracted? Yes. Let's just talk about last year, or let's just talk about this year rather. Let's find it because I, I really, yeah, I'm like. I'm super into like the pushback on this. I don't know what the pushback in this. And this is I text, uh, I, I test analytically, you know, realistically, hypothetically, the epitome. Like it's just what it is. We start the year. He's not there. What are we nine and zero? We're ten and one, something like that, right? Not a big deal. He's inactive. He's hurt. And it turns out we don't need him. Going back to last, the last playoff, again, I guess I have to go back to 2022. He starts out. He can't play defense. We look terrible against the Bulls. He gets hurt. We look awesome. Little data points. Little data points. Doesn't mean he's terrible. He's a garbage player. We don't want him at any cost. No. But we can be just as effective, or in many cases, more effective, without a guy dominating the ball and that's kind of the main thing with the narrative. That's the thing that uh, came, that was laid bare with the Celtic series. Like people kept wanting to say this. And if you recall, the only person who was saying this was me at the time, which is just, yeah, if we had Chris in game seven, I'd like to think that Chris would have helped us, even though he never plays good in game sevens. But we wouldn't have been up 3-2 with Chris Middleton because he always costs us a game. And that's the thing you always have to factor in. There's always going to be the game that he loses you. So what we want to do, going back to the earlier thing that we said, we want to minimize the games that we allow him to lose us, and we want to maximize the games that he flips for us or even wins for us. Like, that's just basketball. That's just basketball, right? Because we were a pretty good team against the Celtics, and if it wasn't for our drunken coach, maybe that went different. But, hey, there's enough blame to go around about that, right? So we're 9-1, we're and one, something like that. This is all, like rough we're nine and one and then i think we go into a bad stretch and we're maybe like 15 and five and uh, let's see let's scroll through this we're 15 and five he comes back and we go like five and three we go five and three he comes back we immediately lose the lakers game and it's not the classic well it's not chris's fault but chris didn't win us the game and then we're kind of we go into then he goes inactive right so he comes back for one two three four five six seven eight games and we go five and three and then the after he goes one for 12 in that Memphis game, loss by 41, they shut it down, right? They shut it down, and for that point, we have a really bad stretch, and we go 9-9 nine and nine without him. Then all of a sudden, people want to talk about we're missing Middleton. But again, this isn't about what people say. This is just basketball. We're just people talking into the air. We go into a really bad stretch, right? Inactive, inactive, inactive. He's inactive till 121. He comes back. For the Detroit game, Chris Middleton, 15 minutes, win. Denver, Chris Middleton, 15 minutes, win. At Indiana, Chris Middleton, 15 minutes, win. The Pelicans, Chris Middleton, 17 minutes, win. The Hornets, Chris Middleton, 19 minutes, almost 20, win. The Clippers, Chris Middleton, 20 minutes, win. The Heat, 20 minutes, win. Portland, 21 minutes, Win. The Lakers, 25 minutes, but he took 18 shots. Is a good game for him. Win. Then he gets to sit the next game, right? So this, that's when the back-to-backs go away. 
But the Clippers, he doesn't play. Win. And also look for the theme that when he's not there, we still win, right? Regular season, and I'll just say, I'll stop right here. Regular season, it's not like we were going to win 40 straight games. But just what happened? Boston. Middleton comes back for that one. He's 7 to 16, 25 minutes. Win. He sits the next game. We play at Chicago. Win without him. Miami. Middleton, 17 minutes. Win, plus 29. Phoenix. He's 4 for 13, but he only plays 25 minutes. Win. At Brooklyn. Plays well. 22 minutes. Win. We don't need him the next night. At home against Orlando. Win. And then this idiot coach. This idiot coach. So that takes us to March 1st. We come to March 4th. And this is the classic Middleton loses us the game. So we should remember what happened in the Philly game. Um, yeah, six points. He's two for eight. However many turnover. But just Middleton loses us the Philly game. Okay. 27 minutes. That's too much. He has to sit the next game. Win. At Orlando. He comes back 30 minutes. We're able to win that one. That's the first game we won when he pushes 30 minutes. Because, again, at this point, all the discourses, well, we got to get him ramped up. And Bucks Film Room and all these people who are ostensibly smart are like, more minutes. So we got to get him to 38. I think we got – and at the same time, like Crowder's like dope against Phoenix. Like we see all these other people doing this stuff. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Orlando win. Play Brooklyn. 29 minutes. 5 and 19 for Middleton. But we still win. At Golden State. 33. Almost 34 minutes. Now that's with the overtime, right? We lose. And everybody, of course, will remember that's the game that Middleton and Drew Holiday lost. But – Middleton in particular, in particular lost, right? <laughs> but they both lost the game. They, like, Drew hit a, hit, a, hit a super clutch shot and then gacked all over his jersey, and Middleton, like, did that without. So, whatever. So, Golden State, big loss. And, of course, these are the games. So, when Giannis doesn't win MVP, these are the games that lost him MVP. Act Sacramento. Act Sacramento. Uh, 34 minutes for him. Almost 34 minutes. And this is the identifying mark. Great game by Chris. Five of eight from three. Did you notice? Eight attempts from three. Five of eight from three. Now, he's still like the third best buck or whatever, but a platinum Middleton performance. He's in the mix. 34 minutes. At Phoenix, we don't need him. Next game, win. Plus 12. But now he's back. He's back. And he plays 33 minutes, and we lose to the Pacers, and he's six for 15. And I'll just stop right here to just say, this is not about blaming him for the losses. His minutes are up, right? So his minutes are up. So Ingles is playing less. And I don't probably, I don't need, do I even need to finish this? Let's finish it. Let's finish it. Toronto, he plays. So he plays not back to back from, so from 316, he plays the next game, 319. Pretty solid. We win. He's 7 to 13. Good game by him. 32 minutes. Win. The Spurs, 28 minutes, almost 29 minutes. Win. He sits the game in Utah at Utah. I remember again. So he sits that game. And this is also the what happened. So we started sitting him game so he could play the more important second game. We don't need him at Utah. We win by 28. He comes back at Denver. He's the only fresh guy at Denver. He's bad at Denver. Everyone's bad at Denver. We lose by 23 to Denver. But here comes Captain Hero to like have a great game to shoot 23 shots against Detroit. Right? And it was kind of the same thing before. So in the middle of all these games, we, he boosted his number like playing the Magic and having a great game against the Pistons. Uh, at Indiana, we don't need him. We win by 13. 
And then he sits at Indiana to help us at Boston, and we know what happened at Boston. We lost by 41 points, right? Now, he does, in the Philly game, have a solid game. Let's see, he's 6 for 14 there. But again, he's the third or fourth best buck there, and we beat Philly. And then the rest of the season doesn't matter. So, you can say this is biased. It's certainly biased to my opinions about how this thing works. Just understand this. We were unstoppable when he played 22 to 25 minutes. Unstoppable. As soon as we ramped him up, we started losing games. As soon as we ramped him up, we started losing games to the Pacers and Denver and all the teams that we had. Like, So there is not, through the regular season, a signature Chris Middleton game. Because he plays too much. And it's not just that he plays too much, but you have to understand that some of these games where we ramped him up to do stuff and that fiddle with the ball and do all this, well, then those are the games that Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday are now combining for 16 shots. And despite the deficiencies of those players, that's not really what we want. So the biggest question going into the playoffs is what is this drunk coach going to do? At the end of the day, Like, that's the thing we really have to ask ourselves. So to wrap up, we still have the best player in the world. We know his deficiencies. We know he's a little dumb. We know he operates from the dark side of the forest. We know Drew Holiday's deficiencies. He's a much, much better player. He was shot. Again, Drew Holiday versus Chris Middleton. Shoots better from the floor. Shoots better the last two years. Better from the floor. Better in clutch time. Better from three. Still a lot of turnovers, but still less than Chris. There's just the whole deal, right? That's fine. But we know his deficiencies, right? But it's important for us. We're an East Coast team. We're in the East. We're a Midwest team. But we're, we're What wins in the playoffs? That Crowder stuff matters in the playoffs. And that's the thing that I just think people don't understand. If we don't have this conversation now, we're certainly going to have this later. There was a lot of, you know what, I got to be petty. Let me stop and just talk about the narratives. Because I'll just mention this, and maybe you find some meaning in what I'm saying right here, or maybe not. The greatest narrative season I've just about witnessed in the last five years. In this narrative season, after we heard year after year after year about this great love affair between these two, the Batman and Robin, who's really Batman? Who's really Batman? Is it Batman and Robin? Well, maybe it's Batman and Robin, but maybe Chris Middleton. He's so he's so important. Maybe he's like Nightwing. Maybe he's like grown up Robin. All this stuff, right? And what we found this year, just being petitive, uh, petitive. That's a new word. Just being petty is late. Oh, by the way, like so, I fell asleep Friday, so this is now that I'm finishing these comments on Sunday night. Drew Holiday, clear All Star. Lot of push nationally by Simmons and other people for him to be third team All NBA. Even if he doesn't make third team All NBA. The feeling is that it'll be a shame if he isn't recognized. Not like, well, I have to hold my nose and make him. People want to put him on All-NBA. That's how good he's been. Clutch time, defense, and everything else. Like, whatever happens, the Drew Holiday as kind of modern Gary Payton thing, that train is up and rolling. And when we won the title this year, and you remember who the first person who told you we were going to win the title this year, we will have won two out of three years. Since Drew Holiday got here. Brooke Lopez might be Defensive Player of the Year. Whether he is or isn't, Brooke Lopez has been in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. You guys let Brooke Lopez blocking five, six, seven shots a night and all that get laundered into like 
the Middleton credit, the Middleton stats. Oh, since Middleton's back, well, how about since like Brooke Lopez turned into Andre the Giant? We've been kind of unstoppable too, right? Though certainly Chris contributed. So we have Brooke Lopez, possible defensive player of the year. Next to Drew Holiday, should have won defensive player of the year last year, right? Um, sixth man of the year, Bobby Portis in the mix. Guess who else is in the mix? Guess who else is in the mix? Malcolm Brogdon. Remember that guy? Malcolm Brogdon in the mix for sixth man of the year. Also, I'm going to say something that's really going to make some people mad. Guess who's played more games the last two years? Malcolm Brogdon or Chris Middleton. The last two years combined. And I think individually. Go ahead and look that up if you like. So we have that. Um, We got a loaded team, guys. We got a loaded team. Like, it, it was always a weird thing that this team that was full of so much losing and Kid and Prunty and all this stuff, we were like, oh, yeah, but this this guy Middleton, like, he he's a straight winner. Well, he's not. And what wins in the playoffs is that PJ stuff, that Crowder stuff, that I'm going to put a knee into your thigh kind of stuff. All that stuff, like the Marcus Smart stuff. Like, we hate, we hate it all, but, like, the reason we're kind of – have been scared of the Celtics for a lot of reasons. It's also they're they're gonna flop. Like Chris Middleton doesn't even flop. Like I hate flopping. He flops offensively, but like we need guys to take charges. Like taking charges in the playoffs matters. Like I hate the charge as a concept, but like we need other guys doing the winning stuff. When do I want Chris on the floor when he's shooting well? Right? Because a lot of quiet as is kept, a lot of these other first uh, first quarters in the regular season if he's like on his bag and I'm like, I'm like too, I'm like that hey, Chris is in his bag. Look at this. Oh, he's, he sat a couple of games or he sat last night. He's, he's out to, he's on a mission, you know, he's on a mission, man. He's looking good. And then you look at the end of first quarter and we gave him a lot of usage and it's like, yeah, man, he, you know, he was three of five or, or, or three of six from those two pointers. So that's, that's six points. So, so that's nice. That, that six points that like with the whole offense, like, bow down so he could get like start trying to cook and like i get it we don't need that many two-pointers from him anymore what we need for him is to have the five if he shoots eight three-pointers a game in the playoffs every third game he's gonna go five or eight he's not a better shooter than like what at this point what exactly does he do better than angles joe inglace joe inglace what does he do better than him right I'm pretty sure nobody wants to play Joe Glaze 38 minutes a night. Why are we playing Chris 38 minutes a night? They both have the same lateral movement, right? They both, like, Ingles is a better passer. Ingles is, I think, a better shooter historically, right? Like, all these guys, right? Like, not so much Crowder, but, like, Bobby Portis, fine shooter. Like, if you look down the, like, again, I'm not banging on Chris for what he's shooting from three. We know he can make these shots. And this is the thing, like, this, I feel like this is getting kind of negative at the end. We're a juggernaut. We're a juggernaut. <laughs> I, just, I can't. We have the pieces. We have the guys who can play the mind games. When Giannis starts to like start to try to lose us a game a little bit, he gets out of control. He gets he, he he's seeing red and all this kind of stuff. We have the technicians to do anything we want. We can get it to Brooke Lopez in the post. Yes, we can get it to Chris in the mid range. We can do all kinds of stuff. We just can't have Chris dominate the usage anymore because we want to get him like another two hundred million. Like that's not. It's counterproductive. But if we use him as a closer, as a sniper, judiciously, 
to not to hunt matchups unless it's completely because again the thing about him hunting a matchup is it's going to take eight seconds and he's going to pass i don't think he's a selfish player at all i've always liked the way he rotates the ball around the perimeter but he's a defensive liability on a team with a bunch of killers so when jay crowder is on why would you not rather have jay crowder out there when bobby portis is on why would like bobby portis doesn't stop anybody either but what makes chris middleton better than all these guys and it's just it's the big question no one should really be able to stop us. But, and that's all of this is before we get to the knee. So blame it on the knee. Yeah, he was young once, right? This, we're just all gonna, let's just pretend that it's 25-year-old Chris. It's just the knee. So forget everything I said. Forget the last 40 minutes. It's just the knee, guys. It's really unfortunate. We got to play him 25 minutes. That's all I got to say. Mm-hmm.